All right, Christ Church, good to be with you this morning. Good morning, I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are kicking off a new sermon series. Good morning to all of you joining us in the upper room. I've been hanging out in the upper room with them the last couple weeks. Fun to be back with you down here as well. Uh, we are kicking off this new series, What Would Jesus Undo? How many of you have heard of the phrase WWJD? You ever heard of WWJD before? Come on, yeah, yeah, okay. How many of you wore the bracelets? You remember these? Huh? Right, right, right. Remember these? Come on. This was like all the rage in the 90s. This was like a big thing. This was a huge thing. The, the, the WWJD bracelets. I wore one. I'll say it. I'll own it. I wore one of these things. I had it on my wrist, right? And the whole idea was that as you go throughout your life, as you're going into different circumstances, situations, as you're going into your work, as you're going into school, as you're going about and, and, and living, you had this constant reminder of the WWJD. What would Jesus do in any situation or circumstance? And the hope was that, let's say, you have that really difficult moment with that coworker. You would, you would be, like, ready to just, like, lay into them. And then you'd look down and you'd see, oh, yeah, that's right. What would Jesus do right now? And you, right? You can, like, collect yourself. And that was the whole idea is that the WWJD would continually ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because we know Jesus came to do some pretty amazing and incredible things in this world. And we seek to emulate him. We want to be like him. We want to live life in a way that shows and displays Jesus to other people. So what would Jesus do? You know, I, I began looking around and we did some research on this. And we found not, not only did I wear WWJD bracelets, but anyone know who that is? Come on, 8 o'clock got it. Nobody at 9.15? Seriously? Kanye, thank you, I heard it. All right, that's Kanye West. And that is a WWJD bracelet. He's sporting it, no joke. All right, here's, uh, here are some others. You guys know some of these athletes? You guys, anyone? All right, we're definitely going. I guess this is a retro sermon. Okay, so that's a WWJD bracelet. That's Allen Iverson. Uh, yeah, so you can see, this was like a big thing. Not only did, 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 did I wear them, yeah, but, but this actually traveled into the rest of the culture, and it became a really, actually, a very popular thing. Uh, I tried to find a picture of myself wearing one. I was unsuccessful. Truly and genuinely, I was unsuccessful. I would genuinely show you if I had one. It would have been me in, like, seventh grade or whatever. I would have done it for you, because that's because for you. But I couldn't find one, but I found a good meme instead. Thank you for the three people who laughed. I laughed when I saw that. Yeah, no, the idea, though, is uh, what would Jesus do? Jesus came to do some pretty incredible things. Amen, yes? But not only did he come to do and accomplish some things, believe it or not, Jesus actually came to undo some things as well. We want to put to you a new question this sermon series. What would Jesus undo? What are the things in your life and the lives of those around you that Christ would come and seek to, to undo? Seek to address in a way that would take it out? You see, this is beginning to acknowledge the reality that there's so much brokenness and there's so much pain and there's so much suffering and hurt that's a part of our lives and a part of the world that we live in. And Jesus Christ came... To undo a lot of that brokenness, a lot of that hardship, a lot of the struggles that we experience, Jesus Christ came to 
undo them as well. And as much as we aspire to to do what he did, there are certain things that we should acknowledge and recognize within ourselves that Christ sought to undo and work to undo them within our own lives, our thought patterns, and our habits. This morning, we're going to address one of them very specifically. There's one really big thing that we're just starting right off the bat with, that Jesus came to undo. It is indifference. Everybody say indifference. Indifference. Uh, Floating along, completely indifferent to the needs, the hurts, and the pains of those around us. Jesus Christ came to change our lives, to transform our lives in such a way as that we no longer just allow the needs of those around us to go unnoticed, where we don't, we don't become insular and pushing and keeping at arm's length pain and hurt of people around us, but that we actually step close and engage with them. We take some initiative and draw close to the needs around us. We are not indifferent to the pain and hurt of this world. We begin to care and take steps that show and display that care. The best example that I can give you out of Scripture right away, it's an easy one where Jesus taught. It's some that you might have bumped into. This is a common story not only within the Christian world, but actually within the secular world as well. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Anyone ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan before? Okay, many of you. Good. So this is review. This is what it comes out of. It comes out of Luke chapter 10. Luke is one of the biographies of Jesus that come in the latter part of the Bible. And it comes uh, at a point where Jesus is teaching. He's teaching to a crowd of people. He's got people around him. And one of the people that Jesus is with uh, tries to test Jesus. Says, Jesus, what's the greatest of the commandments? What's, what, how should I live my life? What's like the highest, bestest, most, biggest priority? Jesus says, love the Lord God and love your neighbor. That's it. Love God, love your neighbor. You want to boil all the law down? Love God, love your neighbor. And the guy tries to get sneaky. says, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Who's really my neighbor? Jesus responds with this story, the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus replied with a story, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him half dead beside the road. Is that a rough day or what? This is somebody in need. We all have needs. This is someone who needs help in very real, very tangible ways. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and they passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, just pause there for a moment. This is a big-time gut check check if you're a Christian. I mean, this is like, ooh, ouch. Why? Because Jesus is not saying, he's not using the example of just anyone who's walking by. Not just anyone who is just strolling by and sees this person, but in fact, he specifically associates a priest and a temple assistant. People that would associate with God and God's activity. People that we would associate as being on par and on track with what God is doing in this world. And yet they slip into indifference. And they keep the pain and the suffering at arm's length. In fact, they even go out of their way to cross to the other street and make sure they don't get their hands dirty. 
What this means for us, Christian people, you're susceptible too. I'm susceptible too. I follow Jesus, I am loved by Jesus, and I can slip into the danger of indifference, which Jesus Christ came to address and undo. And so it's a warning. Warning for the Christian people, as well as for all people. Don't slip into indifference and ignore the needs of hurting people around you. Then a despised Samaritan came along. A despi- Isn't that a great? Despised Samaritan. I mean, you get this picture of like, you know, this is, this is a big deal. This, Samaritans were not liked, okay? Uh, let's start there. Samaritans were not liked. Samaritans is an ethnic group of people that live to the north of where the Jewish people would have been living. So they're the northerners, okay? The northerners, and there's bad blood. There's tension. They don't like each other. They're the estranged cousins that nobody really talks about and you don't get along with, okay? You feel me? It's like, mm, we don't like to talk about, we don't like to deal with Samaritans. There's bad blood. They are despised, all right? Let me give you a map of the ancient world to give you a sense of how this worked. So... Here, here you have the northerners. Down to the south, you have God's chosen people with the holy city. No? Sorry, Pastor Bob is still my boss. <laughs> and he's from there. So, all right, thanks for laughing at least a little bit. I was nervous about putting this out there. But the idea is the same, that there's tension. They don't always get along. There's competition. And in fact, competition is a great Word choice, because there's competition between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people for God's favor. What's the right way to live a godly life? And the Samaritans kind of have it going one way, and the Jewish people have it going another way. And so they don't get along. They struggle to get along. And so through that, you get the reality of a Samaritan who is despised. Oh, well played. Well played. (laughs) I love our tech team. Aren't they great? They're awesome. They're good. All right, guys. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's good. That's good. All right, so then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So in this story, the northerner, the Samaritan, is the hero. Let's just be clear. He felt compassion for him. He recognized the hurt and the pain in somebody else. And rather than cross over to the other side of the street and keep pain and hurt in people's lives at arm's length, which is admittedly more comfortable, totally, not having to deal with people's junk and pain and hurt, oh, that's way easier. Instead, he goes over to him, and he soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine, and he bandaged them. And he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, radical generosity. He even took care of his medical bills in his stay. Amazing. Telling him, take care of this man. He even talked about being radically generous. He says that if his bill runs any higher, if he incurs more debt than what I'm already paying you for, I'll pay the next time that I get here. You wonder why we preach about radical generosity in this church? Right there, that's why. Because it makes a difference in people's lives. It's drawing close to the needs and the pain and the hurt of our world and addressing it. Not allowing ourselves to slip into indifference, but actually coming close to someone who is hurting and giving them the time of day. Listening to them. Empathizing with them. Getting our hands dirty in the dirt and the pain and the hurt of this world. 
This is what Jesus Christ teaches. Now, which of these three would you say is the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yep, that's right. I'll go and do the same. Rather than slipping into the behavior of indifference, Jesus came to undo indifference and instead taught initiative. Seeing something and responding to the need. Taking steps of definitive initiative to draw close. Not even waiting for someone to shout out for help. It doesn't even say that in the text. It doesn't say the guy's sitting there moaning and saying, help, help, help. It doesn't even say that. It just simply says that the Samaritan noticed him and took the initiative to say, this person is hurting. I am choosing to step close and be a part of helping them. You guys hear me quote a famous old monk 500 years ago he lived. His name was Martin Luther. He's got a great line along these lines. He says this. He says, God does not need your good works. Okay? God doesn't need your help. He's God. He's, on, he's doing his thing. But you know who does need your help? The people around you. Your neighbor needs your help. Your coworker, your friend, your spouse, the people sitting in the chair next to you. People with hurt and pain and realities that are that are that are weighing upon them in life. They need your help. And Jesus says, take the initiative to draw close and help. Jesus himself leads by example in this. He not only teaches and preaches taking the initiative, he took the initiative himself. God takes initiative. Check it out in Romans. This is a great verse. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still broken, while we were just here squabbling and having troubles and dealing with issues, our need was so great that God responded in such a way as to step close, so close that he became a man, Jesus Christ, to get the message across and accomplish and do what he needed to do and to undo the sin, the brokenness, and the pain that so easily entangles us. God is not indifferent. Your God took the initiative out of love and care for you to draw close and begin restoring your life and your reality to what he always aspired it to be. And now he invites you to do the same thing in other people's lives, to be a part of restoring people's realities to healthiness and wholeness because there are so many people who live in such a broken and destitute world who need your help and God's help through you. What would Jesus undo? He would have you choose taking initiative in your life rather than slipping into indifference. 
This is done on a personal level. Make no mistake, as you go out the next week, this is done at a very personal, very intimate level for your own life. As you walk through life, okay? This is done personally. It is not only done personally, it is also done corporately. You are a part of a community. This is a community of faith. This is a community of people. And so we respond not only in terms of our own self-practice, but we need to respond in terms of our community practice. There are community opportunities. There are community-based examples where we engage with the needs of others because when you put numbers together, we can do a lot. We can do a lot more than when we're just ourselves. And so it's important for us to understand not only do we practice this personally, We as a church body must remain committed to practicing this corporately. We do that in a variety of ways and examples. This morning, our Mexico missions trip left to go down and address the needs of those hurting and poor and struggling in Mexico. Please pray for them this week. If you want to be a part of that next year, guess what? We're going back. Ain't going to stop. We have domestic partnerships locally. You can go down to Redeemer and serve a noon meal to those who are homeless and hungry. You can step close in new beginnings and provide meal and sustenance and nourishment and raise up some kids here in inner city Milwaukee. We have defined and specific partnerships as a church body corporately because we want to take initiative as a community to addressing the needs in the hurt that is in our world. Amen? Yes. To that effect, actually, we have a special guest with us this morning, someone who is here from literally across the world, someone who is a partner with us in our uh, ministry of the Strong Family, Strong Hearts Family Center in Addis, Ethiopia. So I'm going to welcome Dundee. Dundee, if you want to come join me up here, and I'm going to grab a microphone. Please welcome Dundee up here. Dundee serves as our partner, boots on the ground, very tangible presence as we partner with him and his ministry all literally across the world addressing the needs of people within the context of Ethiopia. And so he's here to celebrate and to share some of what he's been experiencing. So first question, Dundee is very straightforward. We have a lot of different people here. Some of you might know about the center. Some of you might not. You might not know about Strong Hearts. You might not know about our center and our partnership there. So What is this center? What does it do? And how does it address the needs of the people around Addis, Ethiopia? Uh, Well, uh, first of all, I just want to greet you in the name of Jesus. And I bring you greetings from Ethiopia and also from Stronghers Daycare Center and everybody, the pastors and everyone that's working with us in Ethiopia. And I also appreciate the partnership that we have. And uh, because of our partnership with you guys, uh, we are able to impact so many lives. And what Stronghearts is doing in Ethiopia is basically uh, we are transforming lives from the inside out by uh, implementing different programs. Uh, one of the programs is church planting. We engage in church planting right now. We do have uh, over 48 churches, 2,800 members. And... Uh, this year, this year alone, over 120 uh, new believers came to the Lord, and we baptized them, and that's a cool thing. And, 
And also, uh, we, uh, we have those projects going on, and one of the projects that we are doing is uh, the family care uh, and the daycare center, and, and also we do have a hospice program. And uh, in Ethiopia, uh, the population of Ethiopia is nearly 100 million, and uh, the only hospice care center is uh, Stronghurst Hospice Care Center, and we have a hospice program. And uh, we do have schools and skill training uh, and microfinance programs as well. So, uh, talking about the family care center, what family care center is doing is we basically doing orphan prevention and family empowerment programs within that program. And uh, we want to make sure kids are not getting orphaned and uh, being on the street. And uh, we want to uh, give them hope. We want to give them love. Uh, we want to give them uh, the things that are, that, that are so needed for the overall growth of their life and at the same time trying to help their parents, uh, their mostly single mothers, and uh, helping them to uh, be empowered, be self-sustained, and also, more beyond that, uh, we want to make sure these kids are grown uh, by the fear of God, by loving God, and by knowing about the name of Jesus, and also their parents uh, to know more about Jesus and accept Jesus as their personal Savior, because the lives that we live on earth is so short. And... Uh, it could be 70 years or 80 years, but the life to come is for forever. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure uh, those single mothers have that eternal life. And uh, because of your partnership, because of your prayer and support, and uh, most of the single mothers from the daycare center, they accept J Jesus Christ in the, as their personal savior and start having a new life, a new hope. Uh, and also, they become uh, such a role, model, a, a role model for their neighborhood. So that's what we exactly doing at the daycare center. And thank you for your support, your prayer, encouragement, and everything. And we love Christ Church. Hey, gotta love this. This is so good. This is so good. Thank you. This is why it's vital to recognize the larger global church, to recognize the way in which God can work even across uh, time and space. God uses partnerships like this to bring about these realities. And through this daycare center specifically, we partner very closely with that to help keep mothers and their children together uh, to make sure that we aren't stumbling into uh, orphan. We, we want to prevent uh, the reality of orphans uh, taking place. And so by empowering the mothers, equipping them with skill sets, giving them a place where they can drop their kids so they can make an income, all these sort of things. So, And one of the things that I love, Dundee, is that you have example after example after example of lives that have been touched, transformed, and changed as a result of this ministry because of what God is doing through it. So can you just give us a snapshot, one quick story of a life that's been impacted? Uh, well, Stories, we, we do have a lot of stories. And uh, so um, let me share you about this young girl called Ababa. Ababa, she's, uh, her, she has a baby boy called Markan, and uh, Markan is right now by our daycare center. And Ababa, when she, at the age of six, when she was eight, 
six years old, she lost her mom. And uh, she lost her mom, and she uh, started living with her dad. And uh, her dad, uh, basically, he's a drunker. And uh, uh, when she was somewhere around age seven-ish, something like that, uh, he raped her. And so what happened was, uh, it was a big, I mean, this is a, a little girl with a big dream. That's who, her dream was to be a lawyer. And her dream, she doesn't know what a lawyer is, but she wants to be a lawyer. And uh, so, but between her dream and uh, herself, uh, the fact that, I mean, the thing that happened, what her dad has done in her life, becomes a stumbling block. And uh, she was in such a young age, she was in a big frustration, and uh, she, she feel hopeless, and she was very frustrated, and she, even like the closest person in her life, uh, abused her, not only abused her, but sexually abused, I raped her. And uh, so, what happened, she told me that she started talking with herself. And if my dad is raping me, and if he's telling me that I'm useless and valueless, then instead of living with him, that's at age eight, and she says, I have to run away. A young girl started running away from the house, from the so-called dad that uh, raped her. And she started living in different house, and she started living uh, a life of prostitution because she said, you know, my dad has raped me, and but other people can't pay me, and it's good, you know, to and she ha she got that mentality, and she started doing prostitution for so long. Then uh, somewhere in the middle there too, she met with this guy, and then he pretend to be nice guy and. He told us that he's going to take her out from the life that she's in, which is uh, a life of prostitution. And she trusted him. And uh, then uh, she got a baby from him, and she's, when she's pregnant, he ran away. And again, sh this girl started living in such deep frustration. And even at times, she told me that she uh, was uh, thinking to commit suicide because of what's happening in her life. Her dad raped her, now a person comes, a guy comes to her life and tries to pretend to be nice, and when she is pregnant, he run away. Uh, then uh, she gave birth uh, to a baby boy and uh, a neighborhood of friends. They told her about the family care centers that we are having in Ethiopia, and uh, the family care centers that you are supporting. And, uh, then she came and she started talking with our counselors there. And uh, uh, she started talking and she started telling us, I was there to all her stories, the stories that I told you. And the story is very long, but I was trying to precise it uh, because of time. And we've been crying and uh, our heart was broken and uh, she was the right person to uh, accept her in to the daycare center. And now, her baby, Markham, is at the daycare center. 
and uh, she is not anymore doing prostitution. She gave her life we, we, to, to Christ and we shared the love of Christ. And we told her how Jesus is able to forgive her and uh, to give her an eternal life and how his grace is so much abundant in our life. And, uh, you know, right away she gave her life and she started working with Jesus. And uh, we got her a job, a new job. She started uh, that new job as well, new work. She started getting some money, some income. And um, then I asked her one question. The question that I asked her was, I know your dad have raped you, and, and you've been in a life of prostitution too. And God have already forgiven you that life of prostitution. And I asked her, do you really, or are you interested to forgive your dad? And uh, it was a surprise. And she said, you know, Danny, and if God have forgiven me my life of prostitution, and who am I not to forgive my dad? And the following day she went to her dad and hugged him. And she told him that I have forgiven you. And it's a very interesting story. And, you know, a life of transformation. The daycare is not only helping kids. A daycare is not only, or the family care center is not only preventing from kids from being orphaned, but also we are mending broken lives. We are being used by God to give and uh, to give hope and eternal life uh, that every people needs to uh, needs, uh, deserve to have it. And a week before I fly out, I came last Monday, and uh, I got the opportunity to baptize Abeba, and uh, she fully become our uh, the member of our church. And it was such a joy to see her being transformed and being baptized. And I asked her one question. And okay, uh, in what area of the church would you like to serve? And she told me two things. The first one is she wants to be a worship leader. And uh, she said, I have a good voice. I know I can't be anymore, you know, uh, a lawyer. And uh, because she stopped schooling, like in early age. And she says, but if God forgive me, can be a, since God forgive me, I can be a very good singer, and I can sing in the church. And she said at the same time that she wants to volunteer as a daycare center once in a week. So Christ Church, this is one of the stories. We have a lot of stories to tell you, but because of your prayer support and the partnership that we have together, a lot of people like Abeba has been transformed not only their kids being cared, but they are being prepared for the life to come. And God bless you a lot. Fantastic. Thank you, Dandy. We hold gratitude as a community of faith that we can partner with Dundee and with this daycare center to change the lives of Ababa and Markin to draw close, take initiative, and love them. 
and allow God to work through us and through this daycare center. Dundee, thank you for your partnership, for your friendship, for your ministry. Thank you for transforming lives for the gospel. As a church body, we are going to continue to remain committed to these strategic partnerships. And so I invite you actually to spend some time with Dundee. He's going to be in the atrium after the service. Shake his hand, give him a big hug, and pray with him, okay? Get to know him and get to know a little bit about that center. Uh, There are so many more stories that he could tell you of lives that are getting changed. And so I invite you to become aware, become educated as to what it means to be part of this community and how that affects communities and people around the world. You can check out more, of course, online. You can do that through .org or through .life. Christchurchmechlon.life is probably the best place. Backslash serve. Uh, you can find ways that you yourself can personally become involved uh, with, with the activities and the opportunities of service that we have as a church body. Uh, I invite you, whether it's traveling all the way across the world and serving and being active in that way, or whether it's going all the way back to the children's area and holding babies back there. We need you. This world needs you. This church, this gospel that we proclaim, it needs you. And your activity, your hands and your feet. So please take the initiative to get involved and engaged and step into the lives of helping those around you. Let's close with prayer once more. Please join me in prayer. We're going to pray over Dundee and Markin and Ababa as well. Please pray with me. God, thank you that you took the initiative with us to draw close, to forgive us, and to work towards our restoration. We ask that we would now also hear Christ's teaching and become people who work to undo indifference in this world and instead take initiative to engage with the hurts and the needs of the world around us. We thank you specifically for our strategic partners, for Dundee, who is here this morning, and the stories and the lives that have been touched through the Strong Hearts Family Center. We pray for those kids. We pray for those moms. We ask that your gospel and your goodness would be made tangible and real in their lives. Lord, we ask that you would continue to move us as a church body always responding to the needs around us. Help us take initiative and be the people you desire us to be, living and drawing close to those in need. We ask and pray that you would bless our partnerships, bless our church body, and bless the greater witness of the church across time and space that your kingdom might be built. We ask this, Jesus, in your precious and in your holy name. Amen.